Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here with the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, a lot to get into today. Uh, of course, you know, today is the day after we are officially done with the 2022 election cycle. And those of you who listened to Moongrafon's third hour today, you, you heard me on there, and I'm going to kind of go into what I was talking about there, but I have a little bit more to add, because I've been talking to some folks uh, in the background, people who have, who have been in the game a little bit longer than I have, who have similar perspectives to me. Uh, but I want to set the stage here, because the problem the GOP had in 2022 is not just a problem in 2022. It's not even a problem of the last few years. We're talking about a problem that is actually decades old. If you'll recall, the day after the November elections, if you were listening to Moon's show, Moon went off on the experts, the people who were saying that such and such is, uh, you know, that that the people who claim to be experts, who, who look at all this information, they proclaim loudly what's going to happen, things like that. They were wrong. They tend to be wrong. Now, you can look at data and you can draw conclusions and say what is likely to happen, but there are always variables that don't get taken into account. And we had a lot of those in this election cycle. But there's a subset of the experts that have been a problem for the GOP for the last several years. Ten years ago, ten years ago, the Republican consultant class came together and used a ton of money to build something called Project Orca. Project Orca was a massive digital get-out-the-vote effort. It was going to be a system that revolutionized getting out the vote on Election Day. And they built this giant digital platform. And what it would do is it would go ahead and it would reach out to every Republican registered voter. It would call them, remind them to go vote. It would check it against the roles of people who had voted based on information that you can get from registrars of voters' offices. It would be this massive, massive digital organization or digital operation that would generate the votes needed to win in 2012. On election day in 2012, it crashed. Like at the moment it launched, it crashed. It was an absolute, utter disaster. The GOP spent millions of dollars on this. There's a lot of documentation online about Project Orca. But the consultant class spent so much money on this project. The PACs and the super PACs had all gathered together and they had all said, this is it, this is how we win with this digital operation with Project Orca. And it crashed within minutes of launch. The problem here is the consultant class. I was talking with a friend a little while ago who had reached out because she had read the column that I had written on the consultant class, the stuff I mentioned with Moon earlier. And she and I have a similar theory. She said that in in speeches that she had given and talks that she had given, she had mentioned a similar thing. She has a theory, and it's a very good theory. It's kind of in line with what I've been thinking about the, uh, the election. 
what is terrible for this country, collectivism, top-down dictatorial instruction, things like that, those are things that progressives excel at in politics, and it's what draws voters. When you can say, when I get into government, I will do this and it will benefit you like that, that's top-down policy. It's almost dictatorial. I'm going to use the government to do this for you. It is very progressive. It is not conservative at all because conservatism is focused on individual liberties. How can I get government out of your way so that you can grow and succeed? But it makes for good campaign politics. On the flip side of that, the things that are great for you and me personally like that individual freedom, like entrepreneurialism, uh, entrepreneurism, like competitive uh, business, those are bad for campaign politics because it incentivizes the wrong things. The GOP consultant class differs from the Democratic consultant class. The Democrats are in it to win. And the GOP is in it to get paid. And that sounds very harsh. And I understand if you think I'm being too harsh or that you think I'm focusing on the wrong thing. But I go back to 2012. I go back to Project Orca. Project Orca was a project of the consultant class. It in no way actually benefited Mitt Romney and his presidential campaign, a campaign that was, by the look of everything, very winnable. But there is a problem. The consultant class is the group of people that convinced, um, that convinced Republicans that what you needed was a softer, moderate guy who could attract the independents over. But that turned into a campaign that flipped off the conservatives and said, we don't need you. And there were a lot of conservatives that stayed home because of it. However, it's also this consultant class that said what we're going to do is we're going to get in touch with all of our vendors, we're going to get in touch with all of our strategists, we're going to put this thing together, and we're going to use it to restructure how the GOP does its get-out-the-vote operation. And it collapsed spectacularly. The Republican Party has for years deferred to consultants who are not in the states where candidates are running, who are not on the ground. They are in back offices somewhere. And they're the people who are not dealing with strategy per se, but they are dealing with the vendors. And they're dealing with media buys. And all of this sort of thing. They're producing commercials outside of the state or district where these candidates run, and they send those commercials in to news stations. And they do so largely working for PACs, political action committees. I've said before, and I'll say again, by just the way the law is written, just the way electric law is, uh, uh, election law is written, Democrats and Republicans who are running for office, can go to a media organization and they have to be given the lowest possible ad rate in order to make everything fair 
you give them the lowest possible ad rate for airtime. Political action committees, PACs and super PACs, do not get that benefit. They can get charged an insane amount of money for a media buy, and they do. So the money that gets spent by a PAC does, doesn't stretch as far as the money that a candidate can spend. But the PACs on the Republican side get all of the money because they send out all of these heavy-hitting fundraising campaigns that send you dozens of text messages, dozens of emails, and hit every possible person to the point that there's not enough money left to go to the candidates themselves. So the candidates can't actually spend that money more effectively. And the consultant class gets a cut of whatever they spend on those media buys and what they spend on those vendors. They work based on the commission that way. What the Republican Party desperately needs is a consultant class that gets rewarded based on outcomes. But there is no incentive to force them to do that. And until the Republican Party can shift this mental paradigm where, yes, we enjoy entrepreneurism, we enjoy competition, we enjoy capitalism. But it's not something that works in a political campaign until they can understand that the Republican Party is never going to get long term substantial wins. Yes, you can win and you can sweep in 2016, but without good, meaningful reform within our own campaigns, the Republican Party will never hold long-term power. And the Democrats can sneak right back in. And yes, Herschel Walker was not a great candidate. And yes, several Republicans were not great candidates. But the fact of the matter is that the Republican campaign apparatus is fundamentally flawed. 232-1542, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to finish up on this, and then let's get into some local issues in the bottom half of the hour. Your thoughts, your calls, your app chats here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Y'all stick around. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, um, the Republican Party's issues in 2022, like I said, they, they, they date back at least 10 years, probably longer. If you listen to the third hour of Moon's show this morning, right after I was on with him, uh, Paul called in. A uh, bit of background, I've known Paul for a huge chunk of my life. Uh, he's, he's actually from Natchitoches. I'm from Natchitoches. We've known each other for a while. When I was in radio in Natchitoches, he and I had conversations all the time. And he mentioned something. Why do we have these autopsies when it's conservative candidates who lose? Why don't we have them about, uh, the moderate Republicans, the squishy Republicans when they lose? And I, Paul sometimes listens to the show, uh, through the app. And so I hope he's listening today. Because I have an answer. They have had those autopsies. But those autopsies have been done by the GOP consultant class. And so their determination each and every time is that, well, 
the conservative base just alienated too many people. And we didn't try hard enough to win over the moderates and win over the, dem- win over the independents. We didn't do enough to, to reach across the people who aren't as extreme as the conservatives are on abortion, who aren't as extreme as they are on immigration, things like that. In fact, right now, the RNC under Ronna McDaniel, who has completed, who's, I think, running for her fourth term as RNC chair, who has the losingest record of any RNC chair, she's putting together an autopsy commission that's going to be made up of the very people who lost this campaign cycle. The RNC is going to give the, the ability to write the autopsy to the people who keep losing. Does that make sense? Does it make sense to tell the losers, go on, come on in, write the autopsy that makes it look as good, it make, puts you in as good a light as possible and blame somebody else? Because that's what ends up happening each and every time. In 2012, Mitt Romney was a terrible candidate because, as I've explained before, when it comes to moderate candidates, moderate candidates exist solely to flip off the far side of their own party and alienate them from voting. And that's what Mitt Romney did. That's what John McCain did. George W. Bush was able to convince conservatives he was one of them and win two elections that way. But George W. Bush was also very much an establishment-type guy. His dad was the establishment that stood up to Ronald Reagan in the 80s. And H.W. being part of the Reagan administration was the compromise between the Reagans and the establishment. A lot of people forget that while we don't like Liz Cheney all that much, Her dad was the guy that conservatives went to to stop George W. Bush from doing more moderate and less conservative things. They would go to Dick Cheney, and Dick Cheney gave them a lot of reason to come to him. He would go, and he would talk to George W. Bush, and he would pull him back to the right. Now, Dick Cheney is also not a big Trump fan and has been called part of the establishment. And to be fair, he is part of the neoconservative set that was more hawkish when it came to war. But he was also a conservative that conservative activists and conservative leaders went to and said, hey, Bush is about to do this. Can you stop him or can you, can you pull him back from the ledge a bit? George W. Bush wasn't that strong a conservative. He was great on the social stuff, but when it came to the fiscal stuff... He was solidly moderate, even leaning progressive on the spending issues. And of course, in the primary in 2000, John McCain lost. And so as Republican tradition goes, those who lose in the, in the previous primary are the ones who will get the, the coronation in the next primary. So John McCain beat out Mitt Romney. So he became the nominee. And then Mitt Romney, who lost that primary, became the nominee the next time. It took somebody like Donald Trump to shake things up in an open primary field to pull conservatives back in and get them more engaged because they had not been for the past two election cycles. But now the Republicans and now the conservatives are kind of at a crossroads. There's another open primary. There's no clear front runner here. A lot of people say it's Trump. But if you look at some of the numbers coming out, look at some of the rhetoric coming out, it's not as clear cut as all that. But the best thing that the Republican Party can do for itself right now 
is to look at its consultant class and force it to change or dump them. Remember, it's the consultant class that looked at Trump and said, absolutely hell no, and went off and formed the Lincoln Project. The group of Republican consultant grifters who are raising a ton of money, acting like they're doing something to stop Trump, and all they're doing is making sure that their bottom lines are padded. The consultant class is in it for themselves, and the Democrats can keep winning elections because they truly believe in what they're doing when it comes to campaigning in elections. Republican campaign consultants and strategists more and more seem to be in it for themselves. And that's a huge problem if the Republican Party wants to win meaningfully in future elections. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take this bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, the discussion this morning on Acadiana's Morning News, when it, came, when it comes to the Hyman Performing Arts Center, we've had that discussion before. Let's continue having it. Your calls, your thoughts here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. The more I've thought about the Hyman Performing Arts Center issue, the more it really seems like a chicken or egg kind of deal. This is Joe Cunningham on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Uh, you know, Mark, who's sitting across the way, he uh, was a big part of the conversation on Winging It Wednesday on Acadiana's Morning News this morning regarding the Hyman Performing Arts Center. Uh, the, the council had a meeting last night. There were a lot of speakers who were there uh, talking about the issue. and. You know, my my thinking is like it, it's I'm kind of falling into this idea that the people who are really excited about a, a new Hyman Performing Arts Center are thinking of something like the Sanger in New Orleans. They want a, a big performing arts. They want a big theater that brings in all these big acts. Bernie was saying as much this morning on the, on the show, and I don't disagree with the idea. I think Lafayette can support a Sanger-type atmosphere in a performing arts venue. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the cost is definitely a thing. Location is also definitely a thing. And some of the locations that have been discussed, it just seems like there's a lot more work than people are anticipating that would have to go into developing these areas. I mean, you've got the... Um, You've got the area near downtown, which would have, which takes a giant parking lot at the First Horizon building and converts that to a performing arts center. But you've got to consider the traffic. You've got to consider the parking, everything that goes around there. That ties up those streets in that area quite a bit. Uh, if you look for a place on or near UL's campus, same thing. There's a lot of land, there's a lot of area that has to be developed, and the streets in those areas aren't really all that conducive for that heavy traffic either. Well, then somebody mentions the north side. What about the north side? And this is where the chicken and egg part comes in, and it kind of applies to all three of them, but in the north side in particular. Do you build a performing arts center for economic development, or do you need economic development in order to support a performing arts center? Because that's definitely the case when it comes to the north side. You've got to really, really do a lot of work on the north side in order to be able to support that. Um, at the north end of Moss Street and in that area, there's some open space. As you go down, uh, there's the old Winn-Dixie, which is now going to become a Planet Fitness. Um, but there's some other areas in the north side, the general north side area, that could support a performing arts center. 
But again, the economic development in the surrounding area needs to happen in order to be able to sustain that. And I'm not entirely um, convinced that you have enough economic development in some of these other areas to support a new performing arts center. Now, here's the thing with the Hyman Center. It is a fantastic building. It's an old building. If you are sitting dead in front of the stage or up in the balcony, the acoustics are great. If you're sitting off to the side, the acoustics are not as great. I've I've sat in several different spots in there, and I've heard the acoustics from all the different angles. And yes, the building is not perfect when it comes to the acoustics and everything like that. But I've seen sold-out shows there. People want to go to the Hyman Center. They want to see these acts that come through. I'm all for that. I love the performing arts. I love supporting the arts. But I think Mark had a good point this morning. When it comes to sustainability, when it comes to how much are you trying to subsidize the arts? Because a big thing in all this is the government's heavy hand in it. We've routinely had votes here in Lafayette Parish where the voters have said, you're not getting another cent until you get your fiscal house in order. We've seen that in the school district. We've seen that in local government. We know that's the case. Is it a case where city and parish government can take a look, take a step back and say, all right, what we need to do is we need to reach out. We need to get more public-private partnerships in line and try to mitigate some of those costs. Can we find a place, maybe not in Lafayette proper, maybe in one of the towns nearby or somewhere in that unincorporated space, somewhere in Lafayette Parish that is not too out of the way that everybody can get to, still somewhat centralized, which is why most people say within the city of Lafayette, but maybe somewhere that is developing nicely. I mean, look at Karen Crow, look at Youngsville, look at all these towns around Lafayette that are developing beautifully. And frankly, developing at a faster rate than some places in Lafayette. Can you work with those places? Can city government, can parish government work together to make that work as well? We've had one study. Uh, the council is looking at a second study. Um, given the rate things work, I think we'll probably get six or seven studies out of it from various people. Don't know how much that is going to cost, but hey, money is no object, right? Um, we we really do need to just. I mean, it's a slow. It's going to be a slow process. It has been a slow process. It will continue to be a slow process. Nobody is saying we need to break ground right now. But it does seem like in the last year or so we went from zero to sixty on it, and in the last few months in particular, really have just jumped off on it. And like I said, I support a a performing arts center. I support working on one. But there's still a lot of questions to be asked, and I think you need a lot more of these public meetings. You need to have a lot more public input. You frankly need, I think, all the experts to come in. Not just one economic group here, one expert there. We need as many opinions as possible. We need as much study as possible to come in and really take a look at it. Because at the end of the day, like I said, this isn't just a performing arts center. 
this is economic development for the city and parish of Lafayette, which is something that you do need. Look at the north side. Look at some of the areas kind of surrounding the downtown area. Some of that does, frankly, need a bit of a facelift. There are other parts of the city that really do need some work. But all of that is possible so long as all of the ducks are in a row. And right now, it seems like we're we're still trying to collect the ducks. We haven't even tried to put them in a row yet. And ducks are fairly chaotic creatures if you've ever tried to chase one of them or a group of them. There's just a whole lot that goes on in trying to wrangle ducks. So at this point, the city's still got a lot of work ahead of it. And nobody's saying we need this done right now. So let, that, that's, there's no rush on this, clearly. But there is a lot of talk like this is definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of where. And that kind of talk needs to slow down while we still figure out the other four W's and how. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. All needs to be figured out. And everybody's acting like where's the only matter, the only thing that matters here. I'd love your thoughts, by the way, 232-1542, if you want to call and you want to send a message through the app chat as well. I'd love your thoughts on it because this, this is, like I said, it's something that has to be a community discussion. And I don't know of anybody who will outright say, we don't need this. We don't ever need a performing arts center. And it's just a matter of, can we do it responsibly? You know, um, that's, that's what's got, that, that's, that's the decision that we've got to make. I'm 100% on board with the city looking into it. I, any, as long as we're throwing ideas out there to see what can help the community, I'm absolutely for it. All right, your calls, your thoughts, 232-1542. You can also reach out on the app chat. If you just hit that little uh, chat button there in the app, you can send a message to the show, and we'll respond to those as they come in uh, right now. In fact, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Travis. Travis, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You touched on something maybe by default uh, without knowing that you did. You said uh, there is no rush to get this done. Yeah. And that there will be there will be many more uh, consultant groups to come through and, and analyze and survey the situation, mm-hmm. and no one knows how much that's going to cost. Yeah, no one knows how much that's going to cost. You know, look at how 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 many consultant groups we've had come and look at the I forty nine to ninety corridor yeah. and how much that's cost us taxpayers without a single shovel in the ground. Mm-hmm. How much is this going to cost us? when we already have the needs met through other facilities in the city. Yeah, that is a good point. Now, I remember last time we had that conversation, I remember you calling and saying the exact same thing, Travis, and and that is a a point that that does need to be looked at as well. What could this new facility bring us that the others don't? What, well, like, why is there such a push? Why isn't anyone talking about the hospital being the silent ones behind the move to get the Hyman Center torn down so they can go ahead and build a housing facility for incoming doctors. Yeah, the doctors need need incoming housing. But you know what? 
you know what? Their salaries can prov- provide for them to afford incoming housing whenever they're going into different towns where they can get hotels because there's a Doubletree Hilton right there on the Vermilion River, a stone throws away from the hospital. Why is it that no one's talking about the hospital's push to get rid of the Hyman Center? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why isn't the Guillory administration transparent on that? And I'll be interested to see if he even brings that up tomorrow morning on his little radio show that he pretends that he likes to do. All right, Travis, thank you very much for the call. We do got to take a break. Uh, more of your calls if you'd like to weigh in. Uh, and also, one more issue I'd like to bring up uh, here in the next segment. I want to ask you guys about eggnog if we've got time. 232-1542, we'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversations, got about six minutes left. So, of course, if you want to talk about the Performing Arts Center issue, you absolutely can. But I also have a question for Lafayette. This question I posed on our Facebook page, wrote about it on KPL a little while ago. How do you feel about eggnog? Because I was shocked. Mark, I was shocked when I went to Facebook yesterday on the KPL Facebook page. And almost, I think, half the comments were... I like my eggnog in the trash. They they don't like it. They don't want eggnog. I don't get it. I don't either. I, I, I take it in small doses. It's perfect for this the one time a year. Yeah. In my view. Oh yeah. It's a it's a flavor profile you only see this time of year. Anyway, two three two fifteen forty two or send a message through the app chat. We've got John on the line. John, how are you today? Hey, what's going on, Joe? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm on the right side of the dirt and everything. Man, I'm calling because because of, uh, of the whole eggnog thing. Man, I need to think my piece on this. Yeah. Uh, man, the best brand of eggnog is uh, without alcohol is Southern Comfort. I've seen it at the store. I've never picked it up. I've never picked up the Southern Comfort brand. Well, you can find it at Walmart. Yeah. And uh, they have two different flavors. They have the original, and they also have like a holiday spice kind of thing. Uh huh. Little touch of cinnamon. Uh, maybe a little nutmeg, but man, it is just the best. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of the Klein Theater or the Bordens that much. Yeah. Uh, but uh, man, the the Southern Comfort you can find it at Walmart or wherever else. But uh, man, I think that's the best one, man. That that does sound promising. We've we've always bought the Bordens one. Um, that that's just what we've always gotten in the house. My my girls love it. Um, but I also will more often than not make a batch myself. There are several recipes that I found online. Alton Brown uh, is a has a wonderful recipe, both for aged and for just straight up. Um, there, there's several great recipes online. I've got a friend who I have heard his wife makes the best homemade eggnog uh, of anybody that my group of friends knows, and so. Uh, I hope that at some point I can get some of that too. I but I I enjoy the I enjoy cooking, so I enjoy the process of making it as well. But it's just um, it, it's to me I love it. I was I was really John. I was shocked when I looked on Facebook and saw how many people were just outright against eggnog. Oh man, I, I am uh, I, I'm ride or die, man. I love eggnog. All right, John. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it, man. All right. All right, have a good one. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Tommy on the line. Tommy, how are you today? Doing fine, thank you. Uh, I don't know why they don't like eggnog. Hell, it tastes just like ice cream. Exactly. 
It's an ice cream base. Uh, the recipe is basically the same base that is used to make an ice cream. In fact, there's a lot of people who said they, they mix theirs with vanilla ice cream to make it kind of a milkshake. I, I just don't get it why they turn their nose up to it. It it's a, it's strange. It is absolutely strange to me. Absolutely strange. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. And look, enjoy your show. All right, thank you very much, Tommy. Appreciate it. All right, two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to uh, be part of the conversation, you can join in there. Yeah. I, so uh, I have a couple questions. First of all, do you prefer it hot? Do you prefer it cold? Or do you prefer uh, there's um, obviously Louisiana with drive-through daiquiri shops. The the frozen eggnog that you get at a daiquiri shop is clearly superior in most places. Uh, there's also the question of the cinnamon and the, and the nutmeg. Uh, there's a lot of people nutmeg is very strong for them, and uh, they don't like that. But you can do it without the nutmeg, and it'd be just fine. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We got Warren on the line. Warren, how are you? Hey, Joe, listen, man, I, I just heard that uh, Trump was, his people were convicted for free parking and paying somebody's tuition, some small stuff like that. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, at the rate what, what our politicians are doing to us, I think whatever y'all do with the Performing Arts Center is fine with me. Y'all will figure it out. But I just think y'all should put everything like the streets and the billboards and put all the lettering in Chinese. All right. Thank you very much, Warren. All right. Uh, yeah, there's I, I really would like to see it. All right. We've got I th- we got one minute left. Let's get this last one in. Hi. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham show. Who are we talking to? John. Hey, John. How are you today? Wonderful. Well, being a Nakedish person. I would hope that you to bring up the delicious frozen eggnog that they have in Majos. Oh, in I Nacogdoches. every time I go up there during the holidays, I have to go to Majos. I have to get the frozen eggnog yep. there. It is a, it is a staple in Natchitoches. If any of y'all travel to Natchitoches on one of the weekends to see the fireworks and the lights or anything, you've got to find Majos and go there. That that's that's the place to go for the frozen eggnog. There, you're absolutely right, John. Awesome. I appreciate you representing Nacogdoches. Thanks, man. Bye. All right. Thank you very much. All right. That's going to about do it for the day. Uh, thank you guys very much for calling, participating. You can go find the eggnog story on kpel965.com. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook page. Share your thoughts there on eggnog. Thank you guys very much. I'm going to be back in 23 hours to talk about more of the issues that you guys care about. In the meantime, find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can also sign up for the newsletter, the daily show notes at joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Hey, Shannon is offsides next. We'll be back tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL.